What's up, everybody? Derek here, coming at you with another new podcast. Uh, today, I've got in James Fought with Wild Story Productions. Uh, James has been in the outdoor industry for probably eight or nine years, I think. Um, he started just doing a little bit of freelance video and has since grown and started his company, Wild Story Productions, and has grown into all facets of video and video production. So uh, it was a cool podcast. We uh, actually went to high school together, went to the same high school. We weren't in at the same time. He's a little bit younger than I, but I think he's in my sister's class possibly. But uh, we've known each other for quite some time, and it was nice to have him in here. Had a lot of good stories. He's uh, really grown within the industry, met a lot of people, and has some really cool stories. So without further ado, here's James Fought. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to the Knocked and Loaded Podcast. All right, we're rolling, James Fought. What's happening, brother? And just another day. Um, actually, this is kind of a break from my normal routine. I don't get to sit around and do this kind of stuff. Usually sitting in front of a computer editing or, or filming or marketing or doing something so this is actually a pretty good break from the normal yep yep that's good you've been staying busy a lot lately i have been uh you know this last fall uh i I was i tell people a lot from probably august 21st is when things really started i went down to georgia and did a a commercial shoot for a company and from that moment until probably the middle of january there was seven days a week, zero breaks, you know, and I'm not complaining. I, I got to do some amazing things, saw some amazing stuff, but at the same time, it's like, man, you know, I would like to have a day and it. And now I'm, I'm so programmed to do that. I can't take a day off. It's, it's always something got up this morning was working on, you know, moving files around and taking care of some projects we're working on, do the podcast, got to do a voiceover when I leave here. So, you know, it's, it just never stops, never yep. stops. So it's good. That's good. That's good. How was duck season this year? Oh, you know, Duck season was was really good. Um, Shane down at Seymour Outfitters just got such a just an incredible place, you know. And I've been going down there for a few years now. This this past season was by far our best duck numbers. Um, we did run more clients, so more clients equals more ducks. Um, our our average still stayed pretty good. Um, I think we may have dropped our bird per hunter average just a little bit, but for the most part, you know, it it was you know. All of November, I know for me guiding, um, I don't know, probably guided, I guess at least 28, 29 days in November. And at, toward the end of November, there was a, the last two or three days, you know, we went from killing full limits every day to we might only kill 18 or we might only kill 24 or something like that. So it was, it was really, really good. Um, and then as the season progressed, it stayed really good. I just started traveling quite a bit filming, so I, I missed out on a lot of things. And they actually got into snow geese and specs and, and actually canned the geese quite a bit this year, which is something we don't get to do during normal waterfowl season. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, that was that was really good, too. Met a lot of uh, fun guys. Actually had, oh, let's see, Gundog TV came down and filmed with us twice, which I always, I actually field produced the second time they came down. I did all the producing on it. Um Sporting Dog Adventures came for a day because they were already local and wanted, you know, the, the people they were hunting with just didn't have, a, oops, sorry about that. They just didn't have the uh, the amount of ducks that they needed to put him on a good hunt. So they um, they decided, I called Jeff and he's like, man, we're not killing anything down here. They've got an awesome place. It's a you know, big, big blind and cooked stove and all this fancy stuff, but there's just no ducks. We need to kill some ducks and make a TV show. So, and we've been hammering limits of mallards every day so so just pack your stuff up get a hotel up somewhere close and come and stay we didn't even have room at the lodge and so him and the other camera guy and i then uh, we took a group of guys from georgia that's our frequent flyers they come at least once a year sometimes some of them come two or three times a year so they uh they got to be in an episode of sporting uh sporting dog adventures it was really cool for them so mm-hmm. um ended up killing oh lord i don't know i don't know how many guys we had how many guys we had we killed all our mallards and a couple bonus pintails you know so it was good um and then i guess it was a little bit before that i didn't get to film with them but the grind with uh, dakota decoys bill will roth and uh, ricky hart from lucky duck they came down with their camera guys and they filmed for uh 
usually to, to put together a good waterfowl show, you would need probably, you know, two days minimum, three to four would be optimal mm-hmm. to blend it all and, and make a good episode. And said, and the grind is no different. You know, it's a, it's a pretty well produced show. And so they came down and hunted, uh, I see. I left Thursday. So they hunted Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was their plan. So they, they booked for four days. And after Wednesday, they told me, man, we've got so much content from just this one day. There were so many species of birds and, you know, every the, the action in the blind was good. We really have enough. So we're going to film one more day and then maybe another, but we're going to head out. So I had to go pick up my new puppy. I bought a puppy from a buddy of mine in Knoxville. And so I left that morning, go pick him up. They killed their ducks that morning, obviously come back got to hang out with those guys that night and it was supposed to rain the next morning and you know obviously as a camera crew you don't want to film in the rain sometimes mm-hmm. you end up in that position but uh they already got their footage the first two days so they were like yeah i think we're just gonna stay up tonight and party and go home in the morning <laughs> so i missed out on getting home with those guys which is something i really wanted to do you know especially the camera guys i have or, or some guys i've been friends with on facebook for Oh, a couple of years, you know, Sean Weaver and uh-huh. I, I, well, I, I've been friends with Sean a couple of years on Facebook, but Max, uh, the guy I was working with him, I didn't even had, didn't even know Max actually, Max Barta, but he come and, uh, as a pair. And so it was good to get to meet those guys and hang out in camp with them, even though I didn't get to hunt with them, you know, yeah. and now I'll get to see what they end up producing out of, you know, coming and hunting with us for a couple of days and it'll be good stuff. So, yeah. Are you filming with those guys most of the time or just, yeah, most of the time if a TV crew comes down to film at the duck club, I'm already there, you know, as a guide. So I'll usually run camera for those days and get somebody else to guide. So with mm-hmm. the grind, I didn't, but, right. um, with, yeah. So gun dog TV have actually produced a couple of those shows and anytime they're in, I film, film with them and then sporting dog adventures, you know, Myself and another camera guy, we produced that show. Um, and actually, the gun dog, the last gun dog made two trips this year, and the last one they made, we had a guide, Forrest Bonin, that was um, I just kind of I found him via Facebook, actually, and trying to find an extra guide for the year. And just looking at his social media profile and everything, you just know, you get a pretty good idea of what somebody's like via their social media. Yep. So... He reached out to me and said, hey, what's this you know, deal you got? It's a waterfowl opportunity. And I said, well, we're looking for a guide. So have you ever done any of it? He said, oh, I've taken kids and I've done this and that. And I could tell he didn't have a whole lot of experience. And, and he didn't have any experience guiding, per se. But he did have a lot of experience in, in hunting waterfowl when he was in Indiana and hunted a lot of Canada geese and some ducks. So we ended up, why don't you come down? Let's, let's just meet and show you the farm and everything and get to know you. So Social media is a good judge, but to see somebody in person interact with them and kind of test them a little bit, um, it was obvious that he, you know, he, he knew duck ID, which is extremely important and, and waterfowl, especially guiding, because right. these guys don't know. Uh, most of your clients don't. But he knew that. He knew how to call, and he, he was just a good, smart hunter, you know. So all those things. So he guides with us all year. So the second trip Gun Dog made, he ended up. Um, running camera as well because he's a photography minor and a forestry major uh-huh. so he ended up um filming when we producing that second show which was really cool well he had been into to photography and video and and doing that with the show and everything and getting to see kind of how show production goes on while i was gone filming in oklahoma and kansas which we can talk about later um actually found out um shane sent me a text and said hey force has got some pretty big news i'll let him tell you well, neither one of them would give it up, and I'm stuck in Oklahoma <laughs> filming waterfowl hunts, and I'm like, what? You know, what's going on? And neither one of them would tell me. I had a group message going, and they were just messing with me, and so I was like, fine, I don't even care, whatever. <laughs> and then you know, Shane's response, oh, it's big time, you'll care, and I'm like, oh, whatever. It's, he can't be that big a deal, right? And uh, so on the way back home, I called, and Forrest was. Uh, I called Forrest, and he said, man, Shane's got me fixed up through another guy with the Drurys. And uh looks like I'm going to try to apply for a job with Jury Outdoors. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> That's awesome, you know. So uh, long story short, we, you know, I helped him put together a demo reel. He submitted it. And, uh, I mean, he I, he put the demo reel together, all his stuff. Um, I just kind of helped him understand the program a little bit. He built the demo reel and got the job. And they actually just announced it the other day. So it's really cool. But Nice. So anyway, that's a little bit, you know, about what happened with that. It, usually I end up... Uh, 
you know, running the camera as a second person. Sometimes I do Phil produce the entire show myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly my role at CMO Outfitters is just my waterfowl guide. You know, I right. don't even take a camera and my phone and that's about it and snap a few pictures, which probably need to start taking my camera more often and just getting better pictures. But just kind of you know, enjoy being out with guys, hunting with different people all the time. And I would say 95% of our clients are your best buddy, you know, a right. guy that you'd want to hunt with. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. Well, that's good. That's good. You've done some traveling. You talked about Kansas and Oklahoma. Who are you hunting out there with? Uh, Kansas and Oklahoma was with uh, Avian X. Um, started working with them this year. I've actually freelanced with them a couple of times. Um, and that's that's part of this, this cascade of, you know, like, you know, I was working a nursing job and then now I'm video production full time. And that was kind of part of that trend. So as I referred to earlier, started in Georgia shooting a commercial for a roofing company. Mm-hmm. And I left there, was home for three days, went to Saskatchewan for five with Sporting Dog Adventures, filmed with them, came back home for five days or six days, went and filmed elk and bear in Colorado with Fred Eichler, Michelle Eichler and, and their kids and all that. Came back from that. Had a few weeks at home, went to Wisconsin with Sporting Dog Adventures, filmed with them for, I think, three or four days at Jeff's Lodge up there, back home, actually got to guide for a little while, so most of November I spent at home, which was good, uh-huh. and then I guess the middle of December or so is when Jeff came to our lodge and hunted at Sporting Dog Adventures, and then as soon as we got done with that, I was we were, I guess, probably a week later, I went to a place called Flint Oak in Kansas with Sporting Dog Adventures. There's kind of a theme there. I've done right. a lot with Jeff this year. <laughs> um, but we filmed out there at a, a really nice uh, hunting resort. I actually finished a promo for just, I think, two days ago. I just finished it, doing mm-hmm. a promo for them. Um, and we you know, shot waterfowl with a different outfitter in the morning. And then Flint Oak is a resort, so we stayed there and upland hunted and all that and, and filmed all that for Sporting Dog Adventures plus a promo. And then all the time I'm in Kansas... Brian Plows from AVNX, the producer, is texting me, hey, you know, we got this trip. We needed somebody in Kansas and Oklahoma. I'm like, well, I'm in Kansas right now. So when you come, and he's like, well, maybe like tomorrow. And then they're like, no, the birds ain't quite right yet, so we're going to push it back. So I leave there, come home. I'm home two days, and Brian calls me, hey, we're leaving for Kansas tomorrow. Can you meet us in St. Louis and drive out to Kansas? I'm like, yeah. So I <laughs> get back in the truck, and I drove to St. Louis, met Plows in, in uh, St. Louis, and we drove to now somewhere near Wichita, this side of Wichita, hunted there for a few days. Couldn't really put together a good TV show hunt. I mean, there's a difference between killing ducks and right, TV ducks. Definitely, and we didn't have TV ducks, so um, we did get some, but some really pretty stuff. But just we needed more, so called a guy in Oklahoma and drove I think four or five hours west. Ended up in central Oklahoma and hunted with the, I think it was Blue Stem Outfitters, and. We think we know duck hunting here. Uh-huh. And, I mean, we kill a lot of ducks at the duck club, and it's good. And out there, it is textbook. Like, if you were to read a book on what ducks are supposed to do, in theory, that's what it was like in Kansas. I mean, or in Oklahoma with them. I mean, it was just absolutely unreal. We, you go to a little cattle pond that, you know, you'd see that, like, around where you live, these right. little cattle ponds. And it would be, you know, a half an acre, quarter acre, and it would be slam full of mallards, uh-huh. I mean, just completely full. Run them out, set up, come back, kill them, and we were killing fifteen limits in an hour. I mean, it's it's because there's not as much water out there as here, right? Yeah, that's got a lot to do with it. it. The water's different out there, so they don't have flooded fields. They don't have swamp like we do. So everything they have out there is just, you know red dirt, you know cattle ponds, mm-hmm. and and a lot of them are fairly small. You know, some of them are pretty good size, but a lot of them are fairly small, and there are truly quite a few of them. Just it doesn't equate to the amount of water we have in Southeast Missouri. Mm-hmm. We're swamp. You know? Right. So it, what it does is it, it isolates the birds. There is not, there's pressure out there, but it's not like, you know, you might have a, a pond here, a pond here, a pond here, a pond here that all have birds. Whereas, you know, ducks here, they might all be spread out thin uh-huh. across a couple hundred acres or, or a couple thousand acres rather. So, I think a lot of it is is the pressure's different out there. They still have it, but the pressure's different. So if you can ever get permission, which is getting harder and harder to do because it's all private land. There's no public land hunting out mm-hmm. there. 
if you can get permission, then, you know, you can usually put together a pretty good hunt. So you do any dry land hunting? John Kep was in here last week. We, he talked about yeah. headed up to, I think he said Canada somewhere and they do a lot of dry land duck hunting. Right. Any of that out there? Yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting and there's a lot of theory on the flyway shifting and all these different things, but the out if you would not put together a dry land duck hunt here mm-hmm. i mean you you can do it and if it gets bitter bitter cold and everything starts freezing they'll start feeding in dry fields but typically it's it's something reserved for the north or the west so out there we did all of our goose hunts we did on dry land and in combination with that if we hadn't killed our ducks already for that day like that morning we were goose hunting in the afternoon or something like that then we would kill ducks as well. So it was, and it's, it's just really different to watch, you know, birds work a dry spread, just mm-hmm. completely different than hunting them over water. Oh, yeah. And then when you kill them, the dog just runs out across a dry field and gets it, you know, it's everything's quick. You know, if you drop 15, 20 birds, everybody jumps out of the blind real quick, grabs birds and comes back. So it's uh so we did get to do some dry field hunting Canada. My opinion, I, I, if it was up to me, I would never hunt water in Canada ever. Really? You go, yeah, you go hunt food. They don't eat in those ponds. Mm-hmm. They rest in those ponds. They might dabble and stuff. But for the most part, they're in those ponds just to loaf and drink and things like that. And then they come out by the thousands to a grain field that they pick for that day or, you know, series of days. And it's, you know, I can't say that it's easy, but if you set up correctly, get the wind right, get the sun right, get a hide, shooting, shooting ducks in Canada in dry field is you can't hardly beat it. But the only thing I could equate it to would be hunting them in timber somewhere down south, you know. Uh-huh. And I love to hunt in the timber, but a, a, cl- a close second would be hunting them on dry ground in Canada. I mean, it's there's nothing like it. So so we do a lot of calling up here for waterfowl. I was talking to some, I was in Texas last week, and uh, they were talking about waterfowl hunting down there, and they acted like, oh, we don't call at all. We don't bring calls with us. Right. So a lot of times, and I don't know where you were in Texas exactly. I mean, we talked well, about South bit, Texas, San but, Antonio and right. south. So so that area, they don't have mallards like we do. You know, down there, they might, it's the same thing with Mexico. You know, they kill a lot of, I mean, sometimes canvasbacks, but redheads is a big deal. Um, pintails, teal, widgeon, things like that. That's kind of Texas, you know, South Texas style birds. And those birds are just kind of one of those. They fly over, they see decoys, they dump in, and that's it. You know, so it is. It is a little bit different out there. Whereas you know, you f- flip over here to Arkansas or Missouri or something like that, hunting the timber or even fields. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to call them all the way to the water. You know, so it's just it's just a regional thing. You know, and o- Oklahoma was the same way. You know, you you get those ducks and get them out on a swing, hit them one time, and they would just fold up and come right in. But that's kind of refers back to my statement of they are just just textbook birds. I mean, they do what ducks are supposed to do in our minds. Right. Ducks are going to do what ducks are going to do. It just happens that they fit the mold we put them in when you're out west. Uh-huh. So it makes them a little bit easier to hunt because then they they do what you think they're supposed to. Yeah. And in reality, they're just doing what ducks do. So. Yep. Well, you've been to Colorado with Fred quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, so. F- and actually, oddly enough, I met Fred. Gundog TV is, is produced by Wolf Creek Productions. Wolf mm-hmm. Creek also produces multiple shows, like a lot of production companies. So they contacted me and said, hey, we've got a duck hunt in Arkansas lined up. And our guys, you know, I can't make it. And, you know, my other camera guy can't make it. Can, you know, it's close to you. Can you go? It's like, yeah. So this was in January of last year, in 2016 or seven. Oh, I can't remember when that was. It had been January of 17, I guess. And... Uh, so we, so I said, yeah, I can do that. And, you know, it's, it was, I think we were down by Brinkley. So, I mean, it's not far from here and, uh, at a private duck club, old, old, old duck club. And, uh, so who's, who's the, you know, whom I'm seeing down there. So Fred Eichler. And I was like, Fred Eichler, isn't he a, a big game hunter? And they were like, yeah, but he's, you know, doing this now, he's going to host this episode for us and all that. I was like, that sounds great. You know, that's, that's cool. I, I'm not. I mean, I'll, I do deer hunt and I turkey hunt, but to call myself a big game hunter, I'm not. I'm a waterfowler, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was familiar with Fred, but not super familiar. You know, I mean, I knew that, you know, he hunted with a recurve a lot, and I knew he was a, a avid outdoorsman, you know. I had no idea what I was in for as time went on, and I got to know him more. But So we met at this duck club. Um, 
one of the greatest people I've ever worked with. Uh, you know, I, I get there and Fred and his, his camera guy and, and editor are standing outside the club. You know, I'm talking to Fred on the phone trying to find this place because it's in the middle of nowhere out in the swamp on the cash. And uh, so I get get there, get out of my truck, walk up and meet him. And both of them are like, hey, where, where's your stuff at? Let's you know help, help you carry your stuff in. And I was like, no, I can get, no, you're not carrying your stuff in. And I was like, no, really, it's not a big deal. It's just a few, no, we're going to help you. You know, and that's the kind of people they are. So uh-huh. right off the bat, you know, I was like, man, these, you know, these are good people. So we went in and, and hung out and told stories, got to know them a little bit better. And, uh, you know, and, and Fred's one of those guys, every time you're with him, you're going to learn more about him because he's, he's got stories on stories on stories. So we filmed a duck hunt down there and it was, we had a pretty good time. You know, I mean, we had a really good time, pretty good hunting. So we killed quite a few ducks and everything. Um, get all the footage sent off to the editor and, uh, and everything's good. Don't think much about it. And it was at that point that I was kind of thinking I wanted to do video production more as a, my career. Uh, You're still with the hospital then. Still with the hospital then and had been doing it, you know, video, I've been, you know, filming hunts for, I guess, almost 10 years now. And, uh, so I was like, man, turkey season's coming up. And I think this was in, so I hunted with them in the end of January. I mean, the very end of January, like. 27, 28, 29, something like that. Fast forward to probably the end of February, 1st of March, I started going through my contacts and saying, okay, who can I work for during turkey season? Just trying to find some freelance jobs here and there. And I ran across Fred's name. I was like, I'll shoot him a text. You know, I know that turkey hunt, they've got an outfit and service and all that. I'll just see what he says, you know. So he told me if I ever need anything, call him. Yep. Well, I need some. I need freelance work. So I text him. And said, can you call me? He said, yeah, sure, I'll call you tomorrow. So he called me, just like he said he would. And uh, he's like, you know what? I was thinking about this. I was talking to Michelle. She's sitting here right now. Why don't you come out and film with us? We need we need a camera guy to put together some YouTube stuff. Well, that'd be all right. I mean, I was asking for references to some other people you might know in the business. And he said, no, really, like, I, I need a, I need somebody to come out. And so we went out, I guess, the middle, middle sort of the end of May and filmed Miriam's hunt with them. And out there is just... Oh, if you could imagine going and hunting a place that had wildlife everywhere you went, mm-hmm. that's what it's like in Colorado. I mean, you've been out there, right? You know, it's, it's unbelievable. The mule deer, the elk, um, uh, you know, we didn't, haven't seen any mountain lions, but there's evidence of mountain lions, you know, you don't have to look very hard to find it. And, and turkeys, you drive up a Canyon, you might see three or 400 elk one evening and turkeys would be every time you turn a corner, there's another seven, eight, ten of them, mule deer, you know, you drive down just a county road, what we call a county road out yeah. there, it's something different. I mean, there'd be, I took pictures with my phone, 180, 190 inch mule deer, just 10 yards off the road, uh-huh. just standing there looking at you like it's no big deal, you know, it's like, it's just amazing, but, but anyway, it's just a game rich environment. So we went out there and filmed turkeys. We, we worked on a few different things, shot a couple of different little kind of commercial promo things for different, different sponsors, stuff like that. And, filmed I guess two clients one client killed a turkey that actually had one one a hunt through an auction mm-hmm. um, and then uh, um, the other guy was uh, from what is that company GSM yes that's, that's correct and all that right yep. so um, I filmed both those guys kill a turkey while we were out there it was really fun uh, chased them all up and down those mountains and it's a lot different it, it, it was it was pretty reminiscent of how we hunt turkeys and I say we, as in me, you know, hunting them in field edges and stuff like that. There was a lot of that, you know, instead of a, you know, like a crop field, this would be like a, maybe a winter wheat or a cover crop or alfalfa or something like that. And, you know, these turkeys just be out strutting around and in these fields, just like at home, you know, except for, you know, you drive past them here and they all bolt. Right. Uh, In Colorado, you can go down and park, make your move, get set up. They just, you know, uh, there's, and I don't know if it's the amount of them or it's just so wild out there. You know, it, when you, you drive, you get past Eastern Kansas, there is nothing to the mountains. Uh-huh. I mean, there's nothing out there. So, and then where they live, you know, they're, I don't know, the town that they live closest to is a town of 8,000. The next really sizable town is Colorado Springs. It's two hours from them. You know, uh-huh. they, they literally live out in the middle of the mountains and near a town called Aguilar. And Aguilar is maybe 200 people. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's like a blodget for us, you know, or something right. like that. But 
really not even the sprawling metropolis block it is. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just a little bit town, a little bit, you know, one grocery store. I don't even know that you can get gas in that yard. I don't think you got to drive to Trinidad, which is about, I mean, they have fuel tanks at their house. That, I mean, that's right. Yeah. That's you how have far to. town is. Yeah. yeah they, they, you know, they got to have it. So went out there and, and did turkeys in the spring with them. Um, and, and, and really we'd hit it off in Arkansas, but the, the trip, you know, to film turkeys in Colorado kind of solidified our relationship, I guess. And so uh, it was about two or three days from that trip being over. We'd killed, you know, I'd filmed them, kill a couple turkeys, you know, these guys, we'd done some stuff with Fred and Michelle and the kids and for promos and Fred is about two days before the trip was over. He said, so when do you think you can come back? And I'm thinking this is a one-time deal. And I was like, well, I don't know. What do you, what do you want to do? He said, oh, we're always doing something. When do you want to come back? I'm like, well, I mean, what do you, I mean, I don't know. What do you do in the summer? Well, I don't know, shoot frogs or go out and shoot rifles or your prairie dogs. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. He said, it never stops. I was like, well, I don't, you, I mean, I don't know. You know, this end of May, I went back the third week of June, I think it was. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I could come home for a couple weeks and went right back to Colorado with them. Um, that trip we did, I think it was that trip we did, uh, I actually took my wife with me for one. And, uh, and the little one, you know, at the time she was little, little. Um, they flew out and they ended up having to fly back before I did. So we kind of split on the way back, but, um, got to hunt or we went out and took recurves out the first night, two nights in a row. We went out and shot bullfrogs with recurves. Uh-huh. and the first night we went out and just, and actually did it for TV. I haven't got to see it yet, but, um, then it could have aired. I just haven't seen it, but we actually went out and shot bullfrogs at night. And I mean, just gigantic bullfrogs huh. with recurves and, and just, you know, carrying flashlights and spotlights and just sneaking through there. And, you know, summertime Colorado, it's dry, you know, it's, it's not like doing it here. I mean, you'd be sweating to death and right. about to have a heat stroke. <laughs> the but humidity, there, yeah. There's no there, humidity. It's arid. Yeah. Right. It, you know, so it's, it's kind of high desert climate. It's dry out there and you could, I mean, you, you don't break a sweat doing nothing. And at night, it actually gets, you know, very comfortable out there. Mm-hmm. So went out and did that first night for TV. And then the second night, um, a guy, at, uh, the editor for Wildfowl Magazine and Predator Nation Magazines, Skip Knowles, he was in town, um, wanted to come by just to have a guy's night because actually Michelle and all the, all the kids were gone. So it was just Fred, myself, one of his guides, Ryan, Solomon, and skip. So we had a guy's night, didn't take any cameras. Didn't, we left our phones and everything and went out and shot bullfrogs with recurves. Just had a, a literal guy's night shooting bullfrogs with recurves like a bunch of 10 year old kids. <laughs> and it, it was probably one of the most fun things I've done in a long time. So we did that while we were out there. Then I guess the next day went, they've got a, I think a six, they can go up to a thousand, but they got a 600 effective 600 yard rifle range. They shoot their ARs and all these custom builds and all that they have. So we did that, and uh, Brad was like, let's go shoot some prairie dogs. I'm like, all right. And you, anywhere you go out there, you see the dang prairie dog towns. They're all over the place. Prairie dogs running around, hiding from you. So we jump in the truck and head just circle around to the other side of their east ranch. And um, it's like, oh, this will be a good spot here. And they all run in their holes, put the truck in park. We get out, get set up. And all of a sudden, they start popping up. Mm-hmm. And those guys just started whacking them. And I was like, holy <laughs> And it was, it was pretty impressive to see. And, you know, there's guys that go out there and they might kill. I mean, they might run through $10,000 worth of ammo in a, in a week. Isn't that crazy? I've never been prairie dog hunting. That's definitely and, on the bucket list. And Fred told me they had a guy, um, a group of guys the week before we were there, which we, we only killed, I, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I want to say 15, 20 you know, mm-hmm. per day we went for in an hour. I mean, it wasn't right. like we spent all day. Just went out for an hour, shot 15 or 20. But he said the group of guys they had in before us, because he actually, uh, you know, had, they have clients come in to shoot prairie dogs, and he'll just basically go out and say, here, set up in this pasture, and this is where you're going to light them up today. He'll go find a town for them the night before, set them up there the next day, and just let them shoot all day. And he said that the group of guys he had in, they were in for seven or nine days, something like that. I don't know what it was, but they spent up close to $30,000 in ammo. That Good that Lord. I can't so, afford prairie dog hunting. No, it... You know, now this is a pretty good sized group of guys. I'm not talking about 50 guys. Right. I'm talking about like seven, eight guys. And what you know, but that <clears throat> just guys that are into it. You know, that it's it's above my pay grade for sure. Yeah. And those custom rifle builds and all that. I, I I don't even own a rifle myself. You know, so I don't I don't get into all that. But um, but yeah, it, it was it was pretty neat though. And actually, we took Skip out. Um, Skip Knowles was with us for that too. 
and I can't remember the gun he had, but it was like a, I mean, the bullet you shot was like the size of your thumb. I mean, around, I mean, it was huge, yeah. like a, some, something in the neighborhood of like a 50 caliber. It was like a 554 or some oddball gun that some lever gun that he had bought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Fred was like, Oh, we got to shoot Prairie Dog with that. <laughs> it's iron, this old iron sights gun, beautiful, beautiful piece of work, you know, and, and very collector friendly gun, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Pretty pricey, I would say. And so we got set up and we actually filmed him kill a Prairie Dog at about 50 yards with that big gun and just he was, disintegrated it well actually it didn't it, it just knocked a big just cut him in half basically uh-huh. you know um whereas some of those bullets that they used you know on those flat shooting rifles i mean it will it just turn them to mist it's it's one of the craziest things i've ever seen uh-huh. we actually shot at their west ranch shot he shot one with a 357 and i filmed it while we were out there and actually we filmed it and i took some pictures um just rapid fire just punched the trigger and let it go and actually got one picture over his shoulder of him shooting a prairie dog and just the 357 inches blew up. So it was, <laughs> it was pretty funny, but they're there. I mean, those prairie dogs are a huge problem out there. So it's, yep. you know, they have to do that to control them. So does he lease a lot of ground out there for his outfitter business or prairie dog hunting? You probably talk to any landowner and they they're, say, yeah. kill everyone you see. Yeah. I would imagine it's probably like us for snow geese. What snow geese used to be, it's getting harder to get permission for that now. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, they're horrible, you know, cause they get in these guys, cattle farms and cattle fall into the holes and I mean, they're just rough. break legs yeah, and everything right. else. Yeah. yeah. You just got to leave a cow like that out there. I mean, you can't survive that way. Um, but now they actually own, they have a West Ranch and East Ranch. They live at the West Ranch and have the bunkhouse and their house and equipment and kind of that's their home base. Um, that's at Ag Yards. It's about 3,000 acres, I think, if I remember right. And uh, it's kind of a, when you look out their front window of their office, like when you're sitting in the office, and a lot of times we sit there and work, of course, Fred and Michelle's desk face the window yeah. and the desk I work at faces them. So <laughs> I don't, you know, I have to turn around, but. Um, you're literally looking right out the door or out the window to the Spanish peaks. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you were to just, a, you know, as a crow flies, you're probably from you to the tip of the Spanish peak is, I mean, just miles, you know, it's, it's not far. So, I mean, they're big prominent fixtures right outside their front window. It's just amazing. And then they've got, uh, another ranch they just bought. That's so that, so the West ranch is like kind of just foothill mountains, you know, the, they're in the mountains, but it's yep. rocky canyons and, and pines and, and all these evergreen trees and things like that. And if you go to their West Ranch, it's 30 minutes away. You can be in high desert with antelope and, you know, it's got a big mm-hmm. river bottom draw that's got bear in it and elk and just, it's just crazy. So that one's about 3,000 acres. And they also have, a, I think, a 38-acre reservoir, which is unheard of for that area. Uh-huh. Because there's no water in Colorado. I mean, right. Fred was telling me they go back. Some of their water deeds go back to like the late 18 or like the mid to late 1800s, where this guy's property they literally have these little canal ditches that run water to different farmers coming off the mountain, and they literally you can't pull any water out of that little ditch or right. stream until he's got all the water he wants for the year. So it, you know it, that's that's how scarce water is. And yeah. I mean, you can't water your lawn. I mean, you can't do anything with water. So for them to have a 38-acre reservoir is a pretty big deal. And that's actually where we shot a lot of our frogs was was in that reservoir. But they have a, a whole host of waterfowl that visit that. And we were going to try to go out there goose hunting this year. I just didn't have time to do it. But next year we're going to go. But huh. it's 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 neat out there. And, you know, they, they can be – Fred told me he want, he he's worked all over the country. He worked for DART Targets, the DART um, interactive target system when mm-hmm. they came out. So he, he lived in Florida and traveled the entire United States. And when he got back and decided, hey, I need to settle down somewhere, he looked at Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and one other state, and I can't remember what he told me, but he picked southern Colorado. He lived in northern Colorado for quite a few years, and he picked southern Colorado. From his house, he can go and see bighorn sheep, desert bighorn, in 20, 25, 30 minutes. Huh. Bear, elk, turkey, mountain lion, all these different, several species of squirrels and ground squirrels. I mean, any any game you can just about think of, they can have right there at their ranch where they live. And almost any time of the year, there's some sort of season to hunt. Any, yeah, it never stops. 
And then you go to their East Ranch, which is out in the high desert, and you've got antelope, rattlesnakes, and, you know, prairie animals. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's literally just prairie you can see for miles. So all of that, they can be within 45 minutes of their house. So they can be in any of those three ecosystems. Aspen's, you know, up, up right. high on the mountain is 20 minutes from the West Ranch house, you know. So mm-hmm. they just live in an incredible place. And it's, it's amazing that nobody... You know, there there are people that live back there, but it's people that live back there their whole life. And he told me that I've never been to it. There's one subdivision that are kind of like just a bunch of dot com people that want to live out by themselves, right? So they get access to this high speed internet, work from home, and they never leave. You huh. know, they go to town once a month to get stuff, and they just kind of live out remote in this subdivision that's literally an hour from the closest Walmart. Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard for us to imagine, but it's remote. If there was any place that I mean, I'll never leave. Missouri. And I'll just say that. Nah. Realistically, that's never going to happen. I'll never leave Missouri. Yeah. I love it here. But if there was another place that I were to move and just change, you know, my, the total, um, whatever climate, atmosphere, whatever you want to call it. I can't think of the right geography, whatever it is. You know, I wouldn't go south of Florida. I wouldn't go, you know, northeast. It would definitely be out west somewhere i love it out there yeah it's it's hard to say you know you you think about um you know people think about where they would want to retire or the first time i went to colorado i come home and i told carrie if it wasn't for family i would have moved to colorado that day yeah like when i got back i i you know the waterfowl hunting out there oddly is very good it's a lot different than we, the way we hunt them here, but they, you know, there is a lot of waterfowl opportunity out there, which is a big deal for me. But just the, I mean, every time you step out the door, it's something out of a magazine, mm-hmm. literally. And you know, you can buy a piece of property out there. The property is really not all that expensive because nobody wants to live an hour from safety, you know, yeah. hospitals or stores or things like that. So, it, I, I wouldn't move out there in a heartbeat if it wasn't for family. Yeah. No question. Well, that's my biggest ties here as well. I got, right. I have way too much family here and I love whitetail hunting. There's not as, as many yeah. whitetail out there. Yeah, There's you, a few. When I go up to Hooker Mountain Outfitters, that's Northwest Colorado. Right. There are some whitetail, but you know, it's, not, it's, it's like, not a lot of them. right. No, it'd be like seeing a, almost like seeing a mountain lion here in Missouri. It's that rare. Right. You know, I, I, I'm not a big game hunter. So when I first went out there, I had a little bit of trouble, you know, seeing, a group of deer in a field, and I'm like, man, is that whitetail or mule deer? Because I'm programmed to think that's whitetail. Right. And then you get to like, no, that would kind of look funny. And if they would ever turn and, and take off, then, of course, you see their mule deer bouncing and, you know, the white rumps. But it got to be where if you saw deer, it was just automatic mule deer because that's what was there. Now, you mm-hmm. see whitetail once in a while, but nothing like, you know, nothing like other areas. You yeah. Know, mule deer, if you see a deer, it's usually a mule deer. So, yep. And the neat thing is those suckers get big. They do get big, big, big. So, and they're pretty, they're, they're just an interesting animal to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's just lots to see in Colorado. Yeah. Lots and lots to see. I'm headed back out there this fall for mule deer. Yeah. 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 I'm going to try, I'm actually Shane from Seno Outfitters. He's, uh, him and his son, his oldest son have got an elk trip booked for Arizona, New Mexico, New Mexico. So we're they get try. drawn. Or is it it's, a lottery? They it's some sort of the landowner. Type. Oh, he, they he bought gets, it. Yeah, yeah, I got you. He'll have a, a tag through the landowner I uh, see. that owns the outfitter service. So he's buying tags from people, or I got however you. that works. Yep. I, don't, I don't know exactly the rules on yeah, it. Yeah, I know how that works. But that's in a in a extreme trophy unit. Um, they, they went out there for bear a couple of years a year or two ago, and you know they said they're four hundred inch bulls running all over the place. <laughs> that's crazy. Just well, that crazy. can't be cheap. No, I, you know, he since I didn't kill a bear is, is really the only reason they're getting to go is they're going back is because the guy's like, man, we didn't kill a bear. They, you know, did the, the whole tracking dogs and all that. Yep. They didn't get on a bear and uh, said, I'm, I'm going to cut you a deal. I want you guys to come back out for elk. So I guess, you know, I guess killing an elk is probably a lot less work in theory than right. bear hunting with dogs because you got to chase those dogs all over the mountain unless they get on a, on a fresh track quick and you might be chasing them all day long up and down straight up mountains. So yep. the elk hunt, they're going to go back out and do, and I, I guess they worked out some kind of deal to come back and do that. And that guy may even be coming out to hunt with us. I'm not sure the arrangement, but yeah, 
Well, that's good. You um, so you're traveling a lot. Do you like traveling? I do. You get homesick. You know, I I really never get homesick um, because you're too busy uh-huh. to get homesick when you're field producing for a TV show. Um, but I mean, I miss my family for right. sure. You know that that's hard. You know, having a you know my, my oldest daughter's nine now, and then I've got a little one that just turned a year. You know, so it's it's pretty difficult to be away from them. You know, thank God for FaceTime and internet connection. A lot of the places I go, which is not always, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times, so we end up uh, you know having internet access so I can communicate back home and you know some of my trips might be 12 14 15 days long sometimes and I mean that's half a month right and I did two of those in September the long trips like that and you know I was I was gone more than I was home in September and that was just the start of hunting season right so you're you're running from basically September through January for the most part right yeah and this year we actually um for the past two years I went to Canada um and that happened in early September, and then our season doesn't go out until early January. Well, now we've got a farm in Arkansas for SEMO Outfitters, so that will run till the end of January. So now, effectively, I'll probably be chasing waterfowl in some fashion from early September all the way till, and we talked about even snow goose hunting this year at the Arkansas farms. There's so many in that area. So, I mean, really, effectively, it could be till the end of February. Yep. And by then, I'll probably just... I'll probably just be done. Right. You know? but, um, you know, you, you got to find a balance. I mean, I do, I do get to hunt a lot and I, you know, because of guiding at Seam Outfitters, I hunt every single day of duck season, you know, minus the few that I have to miss because of, you know, stuff with the business or if I'm, you know, traveling, obviously yeah. I'm still duck hunting, you know? So let's talk about your business. So what was it like to give up your normal job, guaranteed paycheck every come, you know, every two weeks or whatever it is to, uh, starting your own business in the outdoor industry, which is where it started. It's grown from there, but in the outdoor industry, which is tough. Yeah. Um, it was, it's kind of odd. I, I I got into filming, I guess eight or nine years ago with Jerry Evans as Mm -hmm. a local, kind of one of those guys that's just a killer animals should fear him you know and right i didn't know that at the time but we were uh, we were shed hunting the same patch of woods and didn't know each other were there and i run into him and i'm like hey you know you find anything blah 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 we got to talking we got to talk about cameras and filming and it's like man i've always wanted to film behind so well you know how to take pictures and stuff you can sure run a video camera come video turkey hunts with us so that year we filmed I, i'd never seen a turkey get shot at that time mm-hmm. and uh i watched 23 strutters come in and get their face knocked off <laughs> and filmed 13 of them you know and had never done either and uh fell in love you know yep. plain and simple so you know fast forward through all those years we were doing that got into you know duck calling and but i got it i'd been into duck hunting at that time and turkey hunting had kind of you know come into play but i'd been doing duck calling contests and everything so john kept which was on the podcast the other day reached out to me about trying some of his calls. And so we started working on that. Now, you know, heard John's story going from where he was to where he is now has grown just a crazy amount, you Mm -hmm. know? So got into all that, that kind of led to relationships with other people that got me more involved in television. And actually we produced a show that featured, um, John kept killing a Turkey on opening day. And that was on an episode of what a show at the time was called blood brothers TV. So that was on, that was kind of my first, real tie into outdoor television Mm -hmm. didn't do a very good job field producing it Um, freddie king produced the show and uh, did a good job of making something of nothing i mean we got the kill on camera the kill turned out great we just didn't have a whole lot of extra stuff to work with it it was one of those birds we set up before daylight and he just started hammering you know it was like and he's 30 yards down the fence line it's like shoot this is gonna he so he flew down ran to the decoy made a circle got shot pretty much that fast you know (laughs) so there's not much time to get any action you know there was not much time for a story so you probably didn't have the thought back then starting out that well let's get a whole bunch of b-roll after the fact right yeah i I shot a couple little things but you know i didn't do anything from you know the cliche truck ride right i mean there's there's so many things now Uh that i look back and like man but it was my it was the first time i ever produced for tv you know and uh so that gave me a bit of credibility and you know the duck calling contest that led to guiding so and this story is a complex web but that duck call contest led to to guiding because i got hooked up with a duck club pinhook um 
pinhook hunting club in East Prairie. So they asked me to guide because I was working on doing um, or working doing calling contests all the time with John. And I'm like, man, you know, you you know, we think we could use you as a guide. So I started guiding for them. Met some people that turned into another connection that circled all the way back around to CMO Outfitters. Then finally got to, you know, I, not finally, I didn't even know Shane existed at the time. Uh-huh. Circle back around, meet Shane, started guiding or started filming down there just for fun, you know, just to get him some content, making videos. And then he's like, you know, Gundog TV comes out and films and they could probably use you instead of bringing another camera guy. So I started doing that. So that was kind of the my second go, you know, that was five years ago we started doing that. And, uh, it just snowballed from there, you know, into doing more and more freelance and made more of a name for myself and what I can do in the outdoor industry. Met a lot more people used to do trade shows all the time, doing iScope sales and, yep. and met a whole lot of people doing that. And then that transitioned into just my network spreading, you know, and that, that footprint kept getting bigger and get, and I kept getting more credibility in the industry because of it. Not that I'm a big shot at all, but those little things keep spreading around. And you know, finally this year, you know, a few years ago, I'd sat around and watch TV and, you know, I was like, if I could pick some waterfowl shows that I liked, AVNX was one of my favorites. Uh-huh. And this year I went to Ohio with them, Ontario with them, Kansas and Oklahoma with them, you know, so it's, but it, but it's coming a price. Now I put, I devote every ounce of time I have to getting this going off the ground. So all of that said, that's all kind of the hunting side, a summary of that. The circle back around to the hospital, um, you know, Obamacare happened, and that kind of started a, a bit of a downward trend for hospital income. So they had to kind of scale back. Well, mm-hmm. scale back means not as many people get paid as much, or they might cut jobs and things like that. So that created stress, and I was like, you know, I've got to get out of here. I really love doing video. That's That's what I'm passionate about. And I love taking care of people. You know, working as a nurse was a was a great gig taking care of people. But this still, I, you know, when I would get off, that's all I could think about was, man, can I, I want to shoot some video. Right. So that's what I did. And uh, so a few different things happened that led to that decision. But it finally got to the point where I was like, you know what? You know, I'm going to go PR in. So I started working just a couple days a month. I was booking more and more jobs, doing video production and freelance and just commercials, promos, real estate and things like that. And to the point now where I'm behind, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, uh, you know, we do all kinds of real estate shoots, promotional videos, commercials. Um, I mean, Lord, we've done, we've done a lot of work in just in the past few months, you know, once I got back from freelance and we start catching up on all these projects and now we're booking even more, you know, so it just keeps growing. And it was, it was a, it was an odd feeling going to nursing school for two years, working as a nurse for four, making a pretty good living. Uh-huh to literally calling in one day and saying, you know what, this, this, you know, I've already went PR in and it's still, you know, those two days a month doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're a freelance videographer, two days can ruin a three or $4,000 trip. Right. You know, cause if you can't be there for that full deal, you know, then you just, I mean, you just can't, you just won't get booked. So I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm taking a big chance and the manager, you know, I have a lot of respect for her and, and I really like her a lot. And she said, you know, you're doing what you love. It's clear you're doing what you love. I mean, obviously I'm not going to try to talk you into staying because I know where you stand on it. Yep. But yeah, I think if, if, if this continues to be a problem like this, then yeah, I mean, you should just take off and chase that dream. And so I was like, you know what? I probably will. So I'll call you back in a few days. So I called her back in a few days. So look, I think I'm, I'm done, you know? And like when I hung up the phone, I was like, wow, <laughs> what did is, I just do? <laughs> yeah, this is real now. You know, I was, I was so busy at the time that I couldn't, I couldn't do both. You know, even those two days a month, I was still like, I needed 10 more days a month, right. you know, of video production. So that was good. But at the same time, I'm like, what am I going to do six months from now? You know, cause I didn't, I didn't, you know, you don't load up a pipeline of work that far ahead. I mean, freelancing you do, but like, I need to produce video, you know, uh-huh. I need to produce commercials I need to be producing marketing material for companies. So it seems like every time we get a project finished, we replace it with two more and things come out of nowhere, you know, yep. and it's, and it's, it's more just to spread that footprint and that, that network of people. We've got to meet a lot of, you know, local realtors that's led to other businesses. We shot a video for a school the other day. You know, I mean, it's, we've done a lot of work in the past really 
six months, but in the past three, we've put out a ton of content mm-hmm. for, for business and, you know, things like that. So I'm actually working on a series right now, which is something I ever thought I would do on history. It's uh-huh. just, you know, crazy, but it's, it's been a fun ride and you know, we're actually about done with that. Should be done with it today or tomorrow. So. Okay. The first episode. Yep. The first episode. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I've been watching. So it's Bobby Gray. Yeah. Who's a local yeah. real estate Bobby broker. Yeah. yeah. Real yeah, estate they, broker agent that uh, history buff as well, and he's been posting the little YouTube li- or the Facebook, Facebook live lives, yeah, yeah. videos, and I found it super interesting. So when you told me that you know you're going to work with Bobby on this thing, yeah, I was pretty excited. Yeah, I, I was shocked actually. Uh-huh. At that, you know, when when they contacted us for something unrelated, you know, we, we're putting together a, a video for them, just a promotional video for their Realty One brokerage, and. He said, you know something I'm really, I want to ask you guys, could you guys do the video and everything? Something I'm really interested in is doing um, these little history videos. And I was like, well, what What do you mean? At this point, like, I don't, I mean, I know history is important. I'm not worried about it, you know, whatever. Um, he said, well, I'll just do, you know, live Facebook live videos and talk about historical places in Cape and Jackson, whatever. It's like, well, that sounds pretty cool. So let me see one. So I pull it up on Facebook and it's got all these comments, interaction and views. I'm like, so well, it seems to be pretty popular. Oh yeah, people love that stuff. I'm like, he said, "What do you think? You know, do you think you could make something of it?" I was like, "Well, looking at this, I think so." Now we kind of let it die down. We met again a week week or two later about this other project, and uh, I was like, "You know," and I'd been doing some research on his following. Mm-hmm. He had done another Facebook Live, and you know, had tons of people engaged on it. Had tons of people watching while it was live, and then shared and and all these views. And I was like. That seems like a pretty good idea, actually. Yeah. And so I, he, I began to ask him questions about history, and he began to teach me about, you know, these different historical homes. And look, did you know that this was here, and this is named after this? Because, of, you know, and I was like, so all these street names and building names, they all have a story, you know. So I was like, man, that's kind of cool, actually. So, you know, now the more that we dig into it, the more interested I am in where we came from and, and how this community came to be, you know. And that's, I mean, that's nationwide. Every, everybody came from somewhere. Right. Know? It's just how far back did your history go and what, what, what led you to here, you know, which of course for me, wild story productions, that was the whole premise of what I set my business up on was everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a wild one. Sometimes it's just a story, you know, but that was kind of the idea behind wild story productions was I just want to tell stories. You know, I want to tell, let people tell their story through video. So fast forward to, where we are now, you know, we're producing an episode that legitimately is going to be like a mini episode for the web and potentially pitch as a pilot for a, for real episode. Don't know that we'll go to TV or anything like that with it, but given we get the right people involved to sponsor this project, you know, we could potentially put this out and, and it's just when you, when you have video that looks good, it's great. When you have video that looks good with great content, Content wins every time. Yeah. I don't care if your video looks bad. Content always wins. If you flip through Facebook, you I mean, you see that every day. Yep. I mean, you can have the crappiest cell phone video, but if it's got good content in it, nobody cares. We're going to watch it. Mm-hmm. So if you put those two together, good content, good quality, then it makes it worth something, you know, in the big picture. So right. It's It's been, been pretty interesting past month. You know, we've been working on that. So looking forward to getting that done, hopefully today or tomorrow. Uh-huh. So you've, you've grown your team as well. Yeah. Um, I got to the point, you know, being gone a lot freelancing, I had a couple projects that I'd shot back in the fall while I was in and out of guiding and traveling. And so I was, I was somewhat behind, not super bad, but I was behind and I was still ingesting new work. And I was like, man, something's got to change. So I literally put a post on Facebook and said, Hey, anybody know anybody that is in video production or any kind of aspect of production? And uh, this lady that I had actually filmed her daughter's reception said, I know the perfect guy. I'll have him get in touch with you. Well, this guy calls me and I'm thinking, well, she's not in the video. She, you know, this guy's probably just going to be some Yahoo, right? Well, he calls me. He was from here moved to Boise, Idaho, worked for 13 years. And has just recently moved back in December. This all happened to end of January. So I'm like, this is pretty interesting. He's he's fresh on a life change, moving back home, and 
he doesn't have a job right now per se. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's working for his mom at her restaurant, but that's not a something a twenty nine year old's gonna do, right? Right. And especially a guy with his talent, I didn't know at this time. So it was one of those conversations the first twenty seconds we're on the phone, I was like, Man, this guy knows what he's doing. So now I'm thinking, this'll never happen. Yeah. He's he's <laughs> way too good. He's never gonna join in and do what I do. And and he did. You know, he's like, Man, even even turning down another opportunity at a marketing firm to, you know, do that kind of work. He's like, man, you know, I don't know. He said, where do you think Wild Sword Production is going to go? To the top, I hope, you know. (laughs) But to answer your question, I I honestly don't know. Uh, It's growing right now, and I know that's true. So he was like, you know what, I'm going to tell him no. I was like, man, I don't want want you to base a decision off anything I tell you. I want you to truly feel what your gut tells you and make your decision because I don't want you to come to me if this doesn't work and be like, man, you told me, no, I'm not telling you anything. I don't know. And he went ahead and turned that job down and started working. And the neat thing about Zach is, is he is very graphics, heavy motion graphics, after effects and, and things like that, video effects. And I can shoot video. I can edit video. Zach can, is more kind of the polish into things, the mm-hmm. motion graphics and really cool sound design and really cool video effects and things like that and just different editing techniques. So as a team, like he fills a gap that I had. Mm-hmm. And for him, he has no video equipment. Now he right. can he can film. He's got video experience, but he always used other people's equipment when he worked in, you know, outdoor channel, sportsman channel on this I think it's Ron Spomer Outdoors. You know, he done quite a bit of outdoor stuff, worked for a software company doing production, things like that. So we're each of us was missing another key and for each other, we're that key, you know right. what I mean? So, it, yep. you know, we've made a really good team so far and, you know, right now we, you know, every time we, we get a project done, like I said, we replace it with another one or two. And so it just, the cycle keeps going and it's good. You know, it's just, you know, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm not scared. Cause it, you know, at times I'm like, man, you know, I, when we got these projects that's going to last us the next three to four weeks, then what, you know, I got to see money keep coming in then something else pops up. Yep. You know? So, and when we produced a few things lately that are, are going to further expand our network of people that we reach. And so I think we're in good shape. Yep. So you're going, you're going to keep, you're going to stay in the hunting business. So you're going another direction and you know, uh, who knows you may uh, be Hollywood with this new series, but well, yeah, it's hard to say what that new series will do. You know, if, if we end up getting to do it and it depends on funding, you yeah. know, it takes a lot of money to produce a show at the level we we're producing this first one. You know, we, we did it at a highly discounted rate from what it would normally be, but we wanted it to be good, you know, mm-hmm. for Bobby, but we want it to be good for us to produce as a television show, you know, yep. or uh, an online show. I doubt we would ever go to television unless the right network wanted was like, Oh, we like that idea. Let's pick that up then of course we would entertain that. But I don't, I will, to answer the question, I will never leave the outdoor industry that, you know, hunting is, is something I'm extremely passionate about. Video is definitely second to that, mm-hmm. but they go so much hand in hand that if I had the choice to take a gun or take a camera and it was literally just, that was my two options and there was no, no other factors like money involved. I would probably just take my camera and film. Yeah. You know, I, I truly like it that much. Now, of course I take my camera any chance I get cause it makes me money. Right. You know? So, I mean, it's a no brainer. You know, if you're making money doing something you love, you're going to do it more. So I don't think I'll ever leave the hunting industry. I'm going to try to scale back how much I freelance this year, not do what I did last year. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's, it's hard to pass up when somebody says, Hey, do you want to go to Alberta and film a bear hunt? Do you want to go to Colorado and film an elk hunt? Do you want to go to Canada? You know, I've already booked a Canada trip this year. We just booked the other day for Alberta. I think. Yeah. So I've been to Saskatchewan twice. Ontario once and I went to Saskatchewan Ontario both this past year and now we're going to Alberta this year and that will likely not be the only Canada trip I make so, uh-huh. and what maybe, are you going to Alberta for did you say bear possibly bear in May okay um but for sure we've booked already um a trip for waterfowl in September so all right back to Saskatchewan or back to Alberta or to Alberta so maybe twice this year so yep. getting a little international travel out of the deal so. nice and hopefully going to Africa with Carl Drake in 2019. So. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about that the other day, and I, I'm super excited about making that trip out. Uh-huh. It's a it's a pretty big trip, no doubt. But Carl's extended a great opportunity, you know. So I definitely want to do it. Yep. Yeah, I'll be there for that for sure. Yep. Are you doing anything for turkey season this spring? Uh, 
I'm going to try turkey hunt myself. I, yep. I didn't turkey hunt this past year at all. I filmed two, you know, for four or five days in Colorado with Fred Eichler and him. But other than that, that's it. I didn't, I didn't turkey hunt one time. So try to get Jerry Evans back in the, well, not get him back in the field, get myself back in the field with him and, and John Kep and all those guys. So we can do what we used to do. I mean, we used to every day be running, chasing turkeys and filming. And I mean, we got a lot of, got a lot of old content that I need to probably go back and dig up, but uh-huh. we've had a lot of fun and I miss, I miss those days. Uh, you know, well, it was early wake ups to go chase <laughs> long beards, goblin, you know, it, I miss it. I do, but sometimes you just gotta, you know, go make money. You, you know? have to, that's got to make money so you can do the fun stuff. Right. That's kind of where I've been. I, I haven't told I was telling somebody the other day, it's like, you know, literally from, I haven't done anything fun since June. Like just to, like, and that was a family trip. We went down to Mammoth Springs and trout fish for a couple of days and camped. After that, that was it. Like we, it literally is just work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, you know, but it's, it's taken that to get to where we are. Right. Know? And, and we're still not where I want to be. So we're going to continue to, to keep doing that, but. I'm going to start trying to set aside a little time just to do some stuff just just because, right? you know, and try to leave the camera at home. Probably won't. But. You probably won't. You can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I really can't. So we'll go chase turkeys this spring, hopefully, and get on a few birds, and we'll go film them. So yep. matter of fact, we got to figure out when we're going to film. Yeah, birds. we definitely will. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm sitting there looking at the first week of season, and I'm already booked up just videoing for people. Yeah. I mean, people involved with the show, right? but you know, I'm hosting partners that are coming in and right. two different partners are coming in the first week. So we're hosting well, them, videoing them. Just let me know. We'll take the big camera out and go shoot them in slow-mo. Yeah. Actually, you should come along because it could be some decent contacts for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, definitely. Shoot them 240. Watch that head real slow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and both of us are filming them. We, we actually probably get some pretty cool stuff. I would imagine. So, yeah, let's do that. Just let me yeah. go All right. We'll definitely do that. All right. Uh, we're about an hour into this, man. Already an hour? I know. It man, goes you fast. you a lot, didn't you? <laughs> I just listen, brother. <laughs> I just listen. What? Uh, all right. Well, let's promote your business real quick. Tell people where they can follow you and, uh, you know, possibly book you for whatever it is, a wedding yeah. or a family event or a, man, you we, know, we, marketing we do, project. We do all kinds of stuff. Right now we're pretty heavy on promotional video and marketing video. And, and, you know, I say marketing video loosely, it's stuff. We produce a video that sells your business basically. Yep. Um, and you know, we, we do a lot of those and that's kind of, that's really my, my passion. If, if in the video part, take hunting out of it, that's my passion. I want to see small business succeed, mm-hmm. big business. I don't, you know, I don't care. I want to see business succeed and know that I was part of that. So, um, but you, you know, we're on Facebook, obviously we've got a Facebook page. Um, got a fair amount of content posted to it. Um, I actually have a YouTube channel that I'm trying to build subscribers on that we kind of rebuilt, um, somewhat like what you've done. Um, I don't know the URL to that. We could probably link it. Yeah, I'll the, link it. I'll link it to um, the video. I'm not sure what it does off the top of my head, but, um, well, they can just search wild story productions or is it wild story? It's wild story productions. The, the, my website, we're fixing to revamp. It's wildstorystudio.com. Okay. Um, you'll have links on your website probably to your YouTube page. I think I do. I know at least one of the videos I've got posted on there is a, is a embedded from YouTube, but we're fixing to rework all of that. So all it's right. kind of a mess right now, but our YouTube channel's got some really good fresh content that we just produced and I'm fixing to add a couple more to it today. So all right, click that link and it'll take you to the YouTube channel. And that's where some of our later content's at with some more coming this week. So, okay. And Facebook, you know, my personal Facebook page, obviously I've got, you know, I've got to post all my content on there, but also the Wildstar Productions business page. We post, you know, try to post on there as much as we can. So mm-hmm. that dang Facebook algorithm just doesn't, no. doesn't help you any. But. John and I were talking about that last week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it doesn't cost a lot to boost a, boost a post, but you know, I, I, every time I do it, I really don't see a lot of benefit from it. You uh-huh. know? I mean, a little bit, but it just doesn't work. I wish it was like it was before where there's no algorithm and, you post something, people saw it. People saw it, yeah. I mean, when I flip through my news feed, I, you know, I, I'm starting to now where you can actually program what you want to see. So I'm going through now, and every time I see something a couple times, I'm like, add, click that, and then you know, move that off of my news feed. You know, I don't mm-hmm. unfollow people, but just move it off my news feed. You know, that's not what I'm interested in. 
Right. So, and if more people would do that, it'd be a much more effective Facebook, but people just aren't going to take the time to do that. So mm-hmm. it's a good tip, but yeah, you should do that. And then Instagram, you're on there as well. Instagram as well. Wild Story Productions. Yeah. It's easy yeah. to find. So, and video is kind of, you know, you can only have 60 seconds. That's tough for a lot of the things we do to put it on there, but I try to build a short version as much as I can to put on there. So mm-hmm. it's uh you got a lot of pictures on there from waterfowl season and everything it's kind of slowed down now because I'm busy editing and producing and shooting new stuff. So I try to keep content out there as much as I can. It's just, you know, almost need help doing it. Right. So it's a lot to keep up with, but yeah. Well, James, man, I appreciate you coming in. I know you got a lot more stories to tell. Lots of a lot, many, a uh, lot more wild stories to tell. Yeah. So, uh, we'll get you in here again. We'll probably do it maybe after Turkey season. Yeah. we yeah. talk about oh, how we have some how stories we, after Turkey season. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we definitely will. But. Ready for that. All right, that'll wrap it up today. Knocked and Loaded Podcast. Give us a listen. James Fault. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Thanks, Derek. All right. See ya. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to the Knocked and Loaded Podcast. 